This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I also had to watch you go on television and that was like a horror show. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. It's tough. So had I watched you making out with guys i don't think he really had to what do you mean i didn't have to i don't think i really made out on no you didn't yeah let's take a breath (sighs) hi guys i'm sydney lutwaco and welcome to something to share every wednesday i share the mic with people you may recognize experts in their fields people i find inspirational or people who make me laugh like my fiance nick giving them a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Are you nervous? No, why would I be nervous? It's your first podcast. (laughs) Oh, okay. I can handle it. What would you like the people to know you as? Your dad. Yeah. Do I have to call you dad or... Daddy would be preferable. (laughs) Yes. Does it make you mad when I refer to you as dad? Sometimes, because I still remember you as a little baby and you used to always call me daddy until you got into your teens, I guess. But you don't make Nicholas call you daddy? Different. Boys are different than girls. So it's a little little preference. That's fine, though. I know you think of me as your daddy. Yeah. I say daddy when I want stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what you I've do. I've learned that trick. Well... You learned young because you got whatever you wanted. That's true. That was mostly from Papa, my grandpa. Yeah. He used to take me to the toy store and said, okay, pick out whatever you want. So then me being three and smart, I would find the biggest, largest item I could find, which was like twice my size. And I would say that one. Yeah. And he would buy it. He would buy it. Well, I can definitely say that my dad was very generous. And as a grandfather, he was not my dad. He was your granddad, which hopefully you find out how things change. I hope I become as crazy as he was when I'm a grandfather, if I'm a grandfather. But at the end of uh, the day, you had a fantastic grandfather. He was uh, he was all about you. So you notice a difference but with him from when he was a dad to now when he became a grandpa? Oh, yeah. He changed because of what happened. Uh, he lost his mom the my grandmother died and he was in the philippines um, for the last couple weeks of mom's pregnancy with you and his plane actually landed in norfolk and your mom was in labor with you in chesapeake so the trauma for him of burying his mom my grandmother and then coming to meet his first grandchild was traumatic for him and it was uh, it was a a big change because he you know your mom is important and uh a big part of your life and then he had you and that was the biggest change and for me to watch it 
it was uh, from I was in shock because you're never ready to be a father. And when I saw you for the very first time, I I saw myself. Mm-hmm. You do look alike. We do look alike. And uh, you looked right at me. Your hand was like this on your face. And all I can remember is going, oh my, what do I do? It's a little girl. I can only say I tried my best and uh, watched my father change. He changed immediately. It was his um, realization that, hey, his mom is gone, but then there's you. And he wouldn't touch you for the first, um, I guess, probably the first day, 24 hours, he didn't touch you. And he didn't leave your side. So um, Dr. Wee, our, my, my dad's best friend, he was the who delivered you. So we had the run of the hospital and my dad just did not leave the side of your crib uh, for the whole time that he was there. And it uh, wasn't until the next day that he actually let, he held you for the first time. No, and then he, you know, and then he did some, this is how crazy your your grandfather was. You weren't even home from the hospital yet. And we had this playhouse delivered to our house. It was so big, they had to take the fence down and they backed it up into it. When they when we came home, I was like, what is that? It looked like a shed at first until I saw the front. He had a, a little half door and you know, the bench seats on it. It was really, really nice for a playhouse. But considering you were only one day old, it was a little early. I didn't realize it was that early that it was delivered. I knew I had that playhouse, but I didn't realize it was before I even left the hospital. The day you were born, he had it delivered. It was, it was, it was unreal. And at the same time, I said, to him, what are you thinking? She's, he said, just don't worry about it. And I, I didn't. And actually, um, that playhouse helped sell that house. The lady that bought it wanted that playhouse so much that she was part of the deal when we sold the house, which is good because there was no way we were getting out of the backyard. It was it was like a shed and there was nothing that was going to get it out of there because it had been there for so long. So I feel like that explains a lot of the way that I am now, <laughs> expecting things. Yes, you are very demanding. <laughs> but that's, that's all part of... Uh, just your your personality. I didn't, and that's another thing too. When your your daughter, who is just, you just grow with each other. You get to learn each other. You I watched you. You didn't just accelerate and everything you did. You did it very fast. So we were watching you. You were walking at nine months which is fast. We, of course, you know, the first child, we were trying to make you walk fast. So we were just I didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice, but you, you picked it up quickly. Um, You were walking. And the funny thing about it is you didn't really crawl. You rolled everywhere. So instead of crawling, you were rolling all over the floor and getting where you needed to go. Sufficiency. Well, that, and it's, it's just a funny way to uh, figure out a way to move. So (laughs) that's how you did it. Okay. Well, I have prepared some questions for you. Okay. And I want to think of this as like advice from dad. Okay. Even though you're my dad. Oh, I am your dad. Yeah, you are my dad, my daddy. (laughs) I feel like other people always love good sound advice. And I feel like you can give it to us. So for maybe people out there who are, don't have close relationships with their dad or, Mm -hmm. or do, or just want a different perspective, I feel like this would be helpful. Okay. So first question I have is, can you confirm, we'll start it off really hot. Can you confirm my dating history and was I allowed, was I not allowed to date when I was growing up? 
So this is dad advice. <laughs> well, we'll get to dad advice, but I just want you to confirm that. Yes, she never had a boyfriend. And for me, being the dad, I always pictured myself with a shotgun and meeting the boyfriend and all those things that you see on TV with, you don't touch my daughter, <laughs> that kind of thing. I never had to worry about that. You, Your first love was dance. And uh, but when it did come to boys, I hate to say it, but there were, there were times where, Hey, um, daddy, do I go to the prom with the guy that I like a little bit or should I go for the better pictures? I'll never I forget that. Saying that. You did. You used to have those kinds of things in your head. You were so focused on your dancing and it was, you know, at the time when there was a lot of boys and it was, uh, it was funny because you just never had a boyfriend. I'm sure you had a lot of boy admirers because you were with all those girls and the dancers and they, they always had a lot of boys around. And um, I just think you were dancing too much and you you had a focus. I, I will say that you had a vision of what your future self was going to be in the world of dance. Mm -hmm. And that was at an early age. So if I were to have brought a boy home younger, you would have let it happen? Or was it not allowed? That's putting a lot of pressure on me because that's that's irrelevant now. Well, in the circumstances. So if it's somebody that is, uh, you know, a, a boyfriend, let's say a, a, just a kid at your school and you're, you're in sixth grade or whatever. Sure, that would be a little bit uncomfortable, but that would have been very chaperoned. I wouldn't have not let you out of my sight because I was sixth grader one time, you know, and I had a different set of rules that applied to me that I wasn't going to apply to you. Of course, you know, it's a little bit hypocritical when you, you are a boy growing up and you know, now you have a daughter and turn the switch off because you don't want her to meet anybody like you. <laughs> Maybe not that bad, but yeah, so if I was going to say, would I prevent you from seeing boys or doing that? You took care of that for me. Yeah, uh, it was, you it got was lucky. Always, well, it was lucky, but, you know, I also had to watch you go on television and that was like a horror show. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. Going away from the dating thing a little bit, what was that? Like when I first told you that I was even going or trying to go on the show, mm -hmm. what was your perspective as a dad? Well, you were dancing in Madison Square Garden. You danced for the New York Knicks. And that in itself, people don't realize that you were dancing in front of 20,000 people. The Knicks sell out every game. Yeah. Every single game. And depending on the team that's there, your celebrity row has somebody famous. And uh, I was just completely impressed by that. And it was fun for me because I'm a basketball fan. And I got to see some great basketball because of your affiliation with the Knicks. And so we would go and, and see that. This is one of the times where you actually consulted me, you know, The Bachelor. I remember the conversation very well. We talked about the game of life. So it was so hard for you to get on the Knicks. Mm -hmm. It was traumatic. It was traumatic. Like the first year, you were the last girl cut mm -hmm. off of the team. Mm -hmm. And I had to do a lot of consoling as a, as your father. You always called me when you were at your lowest lows because I am a very optimistic person, I yeah. think. If you relive that night, we, we were talking about 
you know, how hard it was for the Knicks and, and to, to make it on that dance team. I don't think people realize they don't have a cheerleading squad. Those are professional dancers. Yeah. I was thoroughly impressed at the caliber of the girls that, you know, you made the team number one. And then when I saw the videos and I actually saw the routines, they were amazing. You know, you, you were the first in NBA dance team that had drones. Yeah, we did. You they danced were flown in, the in from dark. like Germany or something. Yeah. So yeah. my my very first uh, recollection of you dancing there, I was a nervous wreck because I we didn't get to see them on TV. So I would I would try everything I could. I would you know see if I could get on MSG and see. So we were able to watch some of the dancing because that's when they would do it. Whenever they would have a commercial break, the MSG they would uh, televise your dancing on the, the screen. And certain feeds from the satellite, you could watch the dancing. And that's what your mom and I would do. We'd try and figure out, how can we watch her dance? Hack into the system. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to The Bachelor and, you know, the choices, that was a tough one for you. You danced your whole life and now you're dancing in front of 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. And the Nick City dancers are iconic. They were they're like 50 years now they've had them. So I I really thought that, you know, it was going to be a tough choice for you. And I really didn't know anything about The Bachelor. I never watched it. And so it was easy for me to kind of compartmentalize the two and say, okay, well, this is the Knicks. Can you go up anywhere from that? Mm -hmm. And the answer was no. And then the big part of the conversation is how hard was this audition? Because you go on auditions all the time. And what you told me, the only reason why you went on the audition is because the girl that was going to go got back with her boyfriend. So you just said, oh, I'll go. What the heck? You know, maybe we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then... I asked you, well, first off, how hard was it? And then I, I'll never forget this one too. Well, there was only about a block long of, of girls auditioning. I said, what do, you, what do you mean a block long? Well, we went from 2nd Avenue to 3rd Avenue or something like that. It was an avenue block and that's a lot of girls. And that's just New York. Yes. They did that in every, like a lot of big cities and then they did it online too. Right. So thousands, yes. more than that, probably. So it was, it was that that dawned on me that you know maybe this is a big deal, this this show. And then when you went uh, to the auditions, and then you know I just started thinking about it. It's like, well, you tried out with some of the premium dancers at the at the Knicks, and it was tough. They cut down to a few um, hundred girls for the finals and then you auditioned and then they cut it down to 20, 20. And then those were the Nick city dancers. That's, that's tough in itself. But then when you told me there were thousands of girls in New York alone to audition and you, they wanted you, that was an eye opener, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know anything about the bachelor. And so I really, sure, let's, let's do that. And our conversation pretty much revolved around, the game of life. You've got this career focus with the Knicks, and then you had the little Y off, which was the Bachelor, which is unknown. You stay with the Knicks City dancers, you're going to dance, and you know who knows what's going to happen. And hindsight's 2020. Um, we had COVID. They canceled the NBA season. You had all of the things that um, went well for you on the Bachelor, and that really made for a big dramatic step in, in your life and you became uh, one of Bachelor Nation's people. And so that was great. Uh, watching you on the show, it was, uh, I, it, it's tough. Yeah. So 
Had I watched you making out with guys? I don't think he really had to. What do you mean I didn't have to? I don't think I really made out on TV. No, you didn't. Yeah, you, you absolutely lucky. did not. <laughs> Again. And, and your edits and everything else were fantastic. I mean, you came off as you. I mean, they really, uh, the producers and everything about the show, you were very level-headed. You were, you seemed like you were the narrator. They would always get you to talk about different things going on in the show. So from my perspective, had you been rolling around in the mud and making out or going into the, uh, you know, the, what do they call that suite? The fantasy suite? Fantasy suite. I would have been sweating. I would have been miserable. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's career changing. I mean, those girls have got fantastic um, Instagrams and whatever else, YouTubes or whatever, and they've made great careers out of it. Yeah. But I didn't have to watch you do that. So I play golf all the time. Can you imagine some of my best friends? Hey, we watched your daughter on TV as I'm lining up a putt to try and win some money or whatever. It, it's it's it was just a an eye opener and a, a relief. But it was every week a horror show. Because, A, I wanted you to stay for, you know, is she going to get a rose? Well, yeah, so that kind of thing. Because you guys used to watch it here. You had watch parties, too, every week. Not uh, me so much. Um, so the very first night, we had a party at the house. Uh-huh. And, uh, you made napkins with... Yeah, napkins, and your <laughs> mom had t-shirts, it. and uh, Sully, mom took a picture of Sully wearing a bachelor t-shirt with Our a dog. rose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a big deal, and the whole neighborhood was there, and... Your entrance was pretty nice. Um, you came in, you know, you were wearing a black dress. They bring you up in the limo and then you meet Colton. Mm-hmm. Colton was pretty much there for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so, you think? Yeah. You know, and that was what his, the, the whole show revolved around this guy. And, you know, it was like, oh, these girls aren't here for the right reasons. Nobody's there for the right Well, this, the main dude was there for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think it was during that physical fitness thing where the guy, Billy, whatever, Eichner, whatever, he said, maybe you could be the first gay bachelor. And it, and it was true. Foreshadowing. He's mm-hmm. the real, I mean, maybe that guy had an idea. Probably, maybe. But anyway, as far as um, the bachelor goes, they, they treated you well. You got to go some great places. And uh, it was an experience. I think you enjoyed it. I think, yeah, I did for sure. I mean, definitely was a once in a lifetime experience. It didn't lead me to meeting my actual now soon to be husband. Right. Which was that shocking to you hearing about (laughs) that whole thing? uh, At your your engagement party in Cincinnati, um, I got to talk to Mike. Mm -hmm, Who's our our soon to be officiant of our wedding. The, uh, The perspective that I got was interesting. So it would have been the equivalent well, back in my day, when we didn't have social media and you didn't have those things, to meet somebody, you had to pick up a telephone and call them. So like your mom, she was across country and I called her every day. I would call her, but it was a telephone. There was a wire. Uh, no, yeah, it was a wire and it was not like, like it is today. So Mike explained to me that Nick was very taken by you on the TV show. Mm-hmm. And that would be like me watching a television show. And some, you know what? I think she's worth calling and I'll just figure out a way to uh, call a girl. And that took a lot of guts. Yeah. The the whole thing revolved around COVID and the timing of it. So you're, you're, 
I didn't even know what was going on until you told me you were going to go to Cincinnati. Yeah. And then you told me I'd met him. And that was like, I never met this guy. Yeah. So when did you tell everyone when you met him actually for the first time, but you don't remember meeting him? I don't remember meeting him in person. I remember very vividly when I met him in person because one of the things that we we joked about, because this is uh, a funny thing about me, I'm tall for a Filipino yeah. and your your mom, your your mom, my, my father, God bless his heart, he uh, basically asked your mom how short I was. Because no, you're Filipino? Yeah, so... He just she, assumed? He just assumed I was going to be like five foot seven, which... Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. So it was it was funny the first time we met. I towered over him. So with Nick, um, you know, he told he he told you he was uh, six foot tall. Yeah, and I, and I just jokingly said, "Well, he's only five ten." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I remember him taking the tape measure and measured. <laughs> so he sent me a picture of him taking a picture in the mirror of him holding a tape measure up to his forehead. So he's 72 inches tall, six foot tall. So, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was funny. And then I, I got his, um, uh, to look at his, uh, recruitment tape and right on there was five foot 11, Nick Weavy. <laughs> so then my randomly the other day we were looking through footage. So Nick sent to the group his like football tapes from, I guess, Which high school. Amazing. Middle, that, middle. He was a, a good cornerback. He was a good high. That was high school. He was. A, it was a. Uh, it was he's a gonna get back. mad at me. Defensive back. Yeah, he's, like, he's gonna get mad at me for I forgot which position it was. But you yeah. don't even know what positions there are in football. No, I'm starting to learn. Yeah, Clearly, they okay. go in one ear and not the other. But yeah, the one thing that my dad said back, he didn't say anything else, but he just said five eleven. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the first time you did meet him technically was on Zoom because we were all doing that back during COVID, and you. But did, there was a hundred people on. Yeah, that there was Zoom. like eight people. Okay. And then well, you know. did a magic trick for everyone and yeah. they loved it. Yeah. Well, you might have to be doing some magic tricks at the wedding because the same people that you were on that Zoom are going to want to see another magic trick, but in real life. Putting a lot of pressure on You're very good at magic. Sometimes. Anyway, so when I, during COVID, I came to you and mom, I was like, hey guys, guess what? I've actually been talking to this boy that I don't know in person. We've been talking on the phone for three months and I want to go to fly to Cincinnati to meet him. What was your initial reaction? Hell no. <laughs> no way. Yeah. This dude could be an axe murderer. True. No, you're not you're not going. You're uh -huh. not going. I was no. I was dead set on no, you're not going to Cincinnati. Uh -huh. And then I tried to get your mom to back me up. She said no. Yeah. But we were very nervous because you you know, there's all these horrible things that happen to people and uh you just never know. Yeah. And obviously that's not the case because uh he's he's a great guy. So uh, the first time I actually met him, I put that in perspective too, because, you know, one, you flew up there without me ever laying eyes on this guy, didn't know anything about him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he drove you home. and uh, Which is 10 hours. Yeah, it took a 10 hour drive and he looked me right in the eye and I knew right then and there this guy had good character. It just a, It just was a feeling that I got when I first talk to him you know and he had to be nervous to meet me and uh i think that the the whole uh reality of what he uh, is as a man and what he's gone through um are very impressive i i can't even imagine uh what it was like for him to to be at the peak of his physical capability and then to have that 
taken away temporarily and almost, you know, paralyzed for life is, uh, is a tough, tough thing. So the mental fortitude and the amount of strength that it took to get back and, you know, for, he was very fortunate, but at the same time, you know, he had to build himself back up and Nick's a very fit guy and you can't, you know, thankfully you can't uh, see anything from, uh, you know, that, that horrible thing. So, and then meeting his family, his mom, his dad, his brother, his sister, they're, they're all very nice. And you can tell he comes from a very loving family, which is why I think you're staying up in Cincinnati and not coming or going anywhere for now. For now, yeah. But um, I get that. I never left my mom and dad very far. I was always around. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I, and I, I love the guy. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be a wonderful son-in-law. And... I feel like this is going to make him emotional. Why? Because he's going to love hearing that. Well, it's true. And then I try not to meddle and, and get involved with a lot of different things. So I listened to a couple podcasts. Um, and the one where, that stuck out was the one when he talked about his injury. Yeah. And I will never know what that's like. Um, but to be in a hospital bed with inability to move and then to overcome that, you know, he doesn't take anything for granted, which is really, really good. And he does not realize how picky you are. <laughs> you don't think he's realized that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe now, but there's no way that uh, anybody would know that. I mean, you know, you, you, you knew each other from dating on Zoom or what have you, but on the other side of it is you, you, you're, you're a very driven person. It, you know, getting this wedding together is a perfect example. Yeah. I haven't done anything. Mm -mm. And I don't want to do anything, but I just haven't uh, had to other than, you know, we just adjusted since there's so many people coming now. Mm -hmm. Anything, I just have to, you know, be thankful that you found somebody that you love. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a very good man and he was raised by a very good family you can just tell you know that like fred is a very personable guy and yes uh, linda is awesome you know we we were watching your engagement she had the camera you know was, was hiding it was a secret and so that's just kind of the thing that your mom and i would do and you know for anything uh to compare us to that's that's the big thing you know our kids are, are most important to us and Mm -hmm. you know, I got that from him. You know, I got that from his family. You know, you don't always see that. You yeah. know, so, Do you have any advice for us? Because we're getting married now in 24 days. It's 24 days? Yeah. Well, it it is just another step in life. You just have to go for it. Um, so one thing that is very different, you, you and um, Nick have known each other for about two years, three years? Three years now. So for your mom and I, we were together immediately. And um, so I, I have a, uh, a very unique perspective on it. So you love each other. Obviously, you, you've developed it to the point where you know this is who you want to spend the rest of your life with. And that is a great thing. It's important because, you know, your mom is everything to me. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be anything without her. And so I don't, uh, you know, I don't take for granted that Nick thinks that of you and you think that of him. So uh, it's a great feeling to have somebody love you that much unconditionally. And you don't have 
anything, but uh, I hope that's the way it is for you, the way it is for me. Mm-hmm. I can say that, uh, you know, with what I know about him, I, I can tell that he's very, very much in love with you and will take care of you. He's a very strong-willed man, and, uh, you know, that's that's all I can ask for. I can... Just go with the flow and watch what happens. So no advice, no words of uh, things advice? that you've learned from. Well, you know, that old go, happy wife, happy life is uh, is a truism that just <laughs> does not go away. Yeah. With your mom, you know, we're so different. She's she's um, personality wise, she's she she's the one that takes care of all the details that I hate to take care of. Yeah. And, you know, those are the types of things that make me whole as your father. Mm-hmm. She was amazing to watch. You talk about a transition. So she went from girlfriend to my wife to your mother, and she was she was phenomenal. I just, nobody gives you a manual and says, okay, you're now a mom. And she, you know, we worked. We were working in the company, so she was working the day you she went into labor with you mm-hmm. and uh I'm I mean I still am there's so many things that she does that just amaze me I'm I'm very lucky I love your mom so much and she's just not there's no one like her mm-hmm. and so you know those are the types of things that you can't I just hope that that's what you too have because yes we you know every relationship there's ups and downs and everything else but um Loving somebody unconditionally and knowing that that person loves you, that is is the best thing. So it sounds just like cherishing that and not taking it for granted. Sounds like well, that's the... it's a hard thing to do, um, but it happens. You know, I, I, I get, you know, just like anything else, I'm very fortunate. She's a great chef. Yeah. She's just always does things the right way. And she's, you know, she's fantastic. There's nothing, there's nothing but that I want for you, but the same, you know, with Nick. So if anything, you know, if you just have that love in your life, that's the, that's the most important thing. And then material things, you know, money, all those types of things that get in the way of your love and, and, and whatever's going on. Those are just material goods. You know, from my own personal life that I've had some very highs, um, ups and downs and you you just you got to work together all the time and and that's part of um you know relationships so i've watched many uh relationship deteriorate and go away because of you know hey financial and i don't think that was your mom ever no we met each other we didn't have anything and uh you know we're here we're who we are and that's that's just that's just the lucky part of my life. You guys make 60 look like the new 20. <laughs> I've never seen people have more fun. What do you mean? Because when I when I knew you growing up, you guys were like always working. You had, well, it wasn't necessarily fair because you had to take Nicholas to stuff, my little brother or me to dance. So you guys were always just like doting on us. And you didn't really, I mean, you had friends and you did stuff with them, but not like this. You guys are like living it up <laughs> at 60. I, no, no, I said I really had pretty much fun my whole <laughs> you life. Did. You yeah. made it better. I mean, well, so when you say working, you can remember my business was pretty much fun. For the first 12 years, I ran a paintball business. I only worked weekends. I played a lot of golf. I learned how to fly an airplane. I wasted money racing cars and doing all this 
Yeah, you've had a lot of different lives. It's not it's not like there's you can't have a life. You know, you if you if you do things and you want to do it, you just go for it. Just like, you know, do you want to do the bachelor? Well, go for it. You did. So, now you're getting married and I can only tell you you just you there's no manual because you're two different people yeah. and you you've got to you know, the, the beginnings of your family. It's crazy to me that I'm at this point in my life, but I'm excited. Is that crazy for you as like my dad that we're at this chapter of my life? I, I honestly thought for sure your brother was going to get married first. Really? <laughs> the truth comes out. I did. Wow. Be, well, it's because Yeah, he of, always had a girlfriend. Just what I thought. I mean, it, it didn't uh, didn't that's happen funny. that way. And that's it's great. I mean, he's uh, he's his own man. So you're going to go on a part of your life that I, I know you're going to handle well. You've always, you've always had this drive that I don't think I could ever imagine when you were born. You have drive. You, you are very motivated and you get out there and you make things happen. Whether or not it goes your way, nobody has been told no more than you have, I think. You must have auditioned how many thousands of times? Yeah. You know, there's no magic formula. So for someone who is similar to me, who went, I didn't meet Nick until I was 29. So it was a long time in my life that I was single. For someone who is maybe in that similar position or like, because I feel like I, I don't know if I talked to you about like wanting to date people. I don't think I told you that much of it. Very little. And I, I would, we would, we would talk about it, but that's, that's just the father daughter thing. There's only so much that you would reach out to me about when it comes to your relationships. You talk to your mom more, obviously you talk to your mom every day. So mm -hmm. that's just a little bit different. So me, and I, and I know this from just how things are, you would always turn to me when you needed somebody to pep you up or to, you know, just console you. I, I, I know how many hundreds and hundreds of times from auditions where you get very close and you wouldn't get it. Mm -hmm. We would always talk about uh, what do you do next? Well, you just keep going. So my, my favorite thing to tell you was, well, you're one less audition away from your next big thing. Yeah. And so, you know, those types of things were, were just there. And I watched, you know, your, your dance uh, school uh, was amazing. That that studio was just absolutely incredible. How many people get the opportunity to dance with Emmy winners and you know these fantastic dancers at American Ballet Theater and whatever? But then you also had to compete with them, and I don't think that uh, you could ask for any better life training than rejection. Yeah. And I mean that in a uh, in a character building way. Because, you know, when you're told no, it's tough. And when you lose or have, you know, setbacks in your life, it's tough to overcome. And there's lots of people that never do. And so I think that that is probably your strongest quality. Say so you're driven, just like this wedding, you've taken care of every detail. <laughs> yeah. And then some, you know, who whoever thought you'd be building letters and, you know, Nick's in there carpentry wise doing all this stuff whereas i just got off an airplane in california and i knew i was getting married played golf went surfing and sat out in the middle of the ocean probably with the worst surfer of my life going wow i'm about to get married and had no clue and um 
your your grandma made the most amazing wedding for us. She, it was a it was just all the details were there because you know we were on the East Coast, they were in the West Coast, and we got married in California. One thing that I always call you on the phone about is like quieting that inner voice in your head that speaks negative negatively or that is down on myself. What is that advice that you normally give me that helps me stop doing that? Uh, well, that's really simple. So everybody has a brain and you have a voice and that voice talks to you and you talk to yourself. And I always used to play these games with you and your brother that were always things to try and stimulate your ability to think for yourself. Okay. One of my dumb things I would always say is, what's this? Who controls this? You control this. And I would always tell you that, you know, you, what you're going to focus on is going to be what is going to drive your personality, your emotions are all driven by you. Because I can look at you right now and I can't tell what's going on in your head. You can look at me and not tell what's going on in my head. And if I wanted something to impart upon you and your brother the most, it was that if you focus on negative things, it's going to affect you in such a way that you're just not going to be capable of what great things you are capable of. So you can't let negative thoughts drive your decisions, your actions, because it's so much easier to just say, ah, well, you know, I can't do this and just not do anything. So I guarantee you nothing's going to happen if you don't do anything. That's true. So if you use your brain to control how you feel and to make yourself happy, there's nothing better than being happy. And there's nothing better than feeling love and feeling good about anything. I mean, simple little things like for me to get ready for your wedding, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop weight. I'm gonna I'm going to get in uh, you know a little bit better shape so that I, I I feel good and look good at your wedding. I mean, I want to represent our family, and that's just part of it. That's vanity, but you know, yeah. I, hey, I, I did it. You did it. Yeah, you did it a long time ago. Now you're just chilling. Yeah. Any tips that you have for people on building confidence or being more confident in their lives? Confidence is really an a part of your personality and being confident to me is just being a good person. You know, you, you want to be somebody that, um, you, you know, we'd be friends. You want to have some people that, um, will, will treat you with respect and, um, you can get respect by being confident and then also by being a good person, you know, just, I don't. I I just would never want to hurt anyone or put any kind of um, bad thing out there because that would make me feel bad and therefore I'd lose a little bit of confidence. Okay. Confidence, confidence is is uh, just a, a a personality trait. I haven't heard it described like that. I like that. One other thing that you always make me do that was super annoying was um, looking up at the sky. Yes, and smiling. Well, it's true. You physically. Um, you cannot, you cannot be depressed in a state of, if you have a smile on your face, like, look, I'm going to smile. We're going to smile. We're going to smile. Okay. Yeah. So you're smiling, right? Yeah. You know, you can describe to me what somebody is depressed, yeah. right? Their heads down, sad, gloomy face. Smile. Just smile. Mm -hmm. So 
one of the things our family was in the dental business and um, smiling was a big thing because that was your grandfather's work, your grandmother's work with the dental business. So we, everybody was judging smiles and smiling is a, is a good thing. And um, I always told you, look up at the ceiling, put a big smile on your face when you feel sad. Yeah. And I did that. You know, my mom died, my dad died and I was, alone, smiling at the ceiling, trying to make a positive feeling in my body because it was pain, you know, and you deal with pain and you're going to have pain in your life. And that's one of those things that, uh, that helps is smiling as, as simple as that sounds. And, you know, I've told you this your whole life, you know, you, what's your brain is yours. What you think about is yours. What you focus on is yours and what you put out is you. So. That's it. That was beautiful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I guess it's beautiful. From knowing me as a child and all the things that I've done, do, would you say that are you surprised about the person that I am today? Or are you, is this what you expected from me? Anything different or the same? Expectations are tough, yeah. you know, because you, you always want the best. So expectations, it's a little unfair, you know, because you, you know, so your, your brother played junior golf, mm -hmm. you danced and we got to see parents that I did not respect. And I didn't, I didn't want to be that parent. Yeah. Um, when you see, and I, I probably was a little bit guilty of things like pushing, you know, I still have, you always call tiger me dad. tiger dad, whatever, <laughs> you know, everybody wants the best for your, your child and expectations. You, you you know, if you have these expectations and they're unrealistic, for example, uh, Sydney's going to be the next Miss America or, you know, whatever, whatever it is you, you wanted to, to strive for and you don't get it. That's that's a big letdown. And that's, again, why it's important for you to be able to deal with things on a reality level. And so that's the same thing for me. Realistic, you know. Yeah, your brother was a really good golfer. I say this all the time. I wish he'd have just played and did did whatever, but he that wasn't his focus. And now it's that's not him. He wants to do what he wants to do, and mm -hmm. I have to respect that and let him do. Because my my family, my dad and mom wanted the same thing. You know, I'm going to go to college and be a doctor and do that. I was anything but. That was the last thing I wanted to do, and I didn't. <laughs> so they wanted Nicholas to be Elvis, the next Elvis. Elvis. Well, that they bought that was him a my guitar. Yeah, well, you know, my, that was my dad, um, and and I and I really uh, wish he had seen the things that you guys. He he died when you, you know when you were only eleven, and yeah, it was elementary school. So he didn't get to see you know the the fantastic things that you did, and you're still doing. And your brother, you know, there was just he and you both of you. We're we're so proud, and uh, we're very fortunate. You know, I've got uh, I've got two great kids, great family, and I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm smiling. You're smiling. <laughs> um, okay. This was great, Dad. Thanks okay. for doing this. Any last piece of advice for the people? Anything you want to leave us with? The people? The people like, listening. So these Any people, these people advice? are like your, your pod, pod, what do you call a podcast fan? A podcaster, a potty? A potty, <laughs> a potty, 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 a potty man. Um, uh, listeners or just subscribers or. Uh, tell your friends about Sydney's podcast. She needs more fans. <laughs> no, but we always can use more fans. Yes. So. But um, yeah, anything, last piece of advice. This is the advice that I 
I'm going to give myself. Um, I hope I don't cry at your wedding. You don't want to cry? I feel like... I'm probably going to cry, but I'm trying not to because it's not... Uh, I, you know, I want to be able to compose myself and handle myself with mm -hmm. lots of people there. We just need to get Nick, my Nick to cry. Why do you want him to cry? Because we need to see some emotion out of him. Why? Because that's what the groomers are supposed to do. When you walk down the aisle, they're supposed to cry. I didn't cry. Why not? Because I didn't cry. Why would I cry? It was a happy day. I was very Mom's got to bring you to tears Well, she happiness. did. I mean, I, I, was, I was stunned. She was a beautiful bride. Mm -hmm. and, uh, do you know that I'm going to be wearing her dress? I didn't have a clue because you took it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what or anything's going to look like. So that's that's going to be very nice. Um, you've had great taste. Your mom's got great taste as far as clothing goes. So I don't. Yeah, but that last piece of advice, what was it? <laughs> the last piece of advice? Yeah, what are you going to leave us with? Love. Just be happy and love your your family, your spouse, and just try and enjoy your life. I think love yourself too. Yeah, loving yourself is good. Yeah, that that will give you some confidence and you just have to you have to you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror because that's the time when you have that one-on-one -on -one with your own brain and you're looking at yourself and the only thing you can say to yourself is whatever comes out here. Yeah. And if you say things that are going to lift you up, you'll lift yourself up. So that's all I can do. Okay. Well, I love you. I love you too, sweetie. Daddy. Daddy. That, <laughs> that makes me feel so good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for doing this. This is great. I'm glad. All right. We had this time. Now we're going to go eat dinner that mom made us. Okay. Love you, sweetie. Love you. Bye. Okay. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, follow, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And in the spirit of sharing, be sure to share the podcast with a friend or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. See you next Wednesday.